coming up on Philosophy Talk. Who lives in that castle? No one lives there. Then who is your lord? We don't have a lord. What? I told you, we're an anarcho-syndicalist commune. What's the difference between a liberal democracy and a radical democracy? Supreme executive power derives from a mandate from the masses, not from some farcical aquatic ceremony. Can we create a democracy that doesn't end up oppressing minorities and dissenters? Come and see the violence inherent in the system! Help, help, I'm being repressed! Can we ever have true equality in a liberal democracy? Liberal democracy is a moral theory grounded in property. Our guest is Ashwari Kumar, author of Radical Equality. Radical democracy is the struggle to find a balance between constitution and resistance equality and freedom. The Radical Democracy Movement, coming up on Philosophy Talk. One, two, three. Holding hands at midnight, beaming for every star. Nice work, if you can get it, you can get it. Won't you tell me how? This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the Stageworks Theater in the Mission District in lovely San Francisco. Our thinking originates at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford University campus. That's where Ken teaches philosophy, and I did for 40 years. 40 wonderful years, John. Welcome, everyone, to Philosophy Talk. <laughs> Today, we're thinking about radical democracy. Well, Ken, uh, I'll admit I'm not sure what radical democracy is, but heck, I'm not even sure exactly how to define our own not-so-radical democracy. Well, John, I think it might help to start with what old, old Abe Lincoln said about democracy. He called democracy government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Well, uh, I'd say we do pretty well with the of part, a little less well with the by part, and I think we kind of totally lost it with the for part. Well, <laughs> I actually think radical Democrats, as I understand them, might actually agree with you. And I think it, it might help us to understand why if we went through all of the of, by, and for, but let's start with the of part. Well, the government of the people uh, means that the people are the ones who are governed. All the people are equally subject to the laws. The rights and privileges don't apply only to the rich and noble. The burdens and duties don't fall only on the poor and hardworking. We all get traffic tickets. We all pay taxes. At least in theory. I mean, if you've got enough money, you can hire some fancy lawyers. But you know what? Let's not harp on that for a minute. Let's think about the buy part next. So the, the, there's two components here. The basic idea is, uh, is it's not only the people who are not just the ones who are governed, but the people who do the governing. Uh, for one thing, there are no distant kings or colonial masters. The, ruling, the rulers are citizens of the same thing that they govern. Secondly, and what most people think is the, the essence of democracy, the ruling class, that is the ruling group, the ones who do the governing, is chosen in a fair and equal way, not only from among the governed citizens, but by the governed citizens. Again, again, true in theory, nice theory. Not so sure in practice. I mean, we are one of the world's last standing colonial powers, as Puerto Rico and Guam. Guam, Puerto Rico. Right, yeah. and I don't have to tell you, because you're always railing 
against the U.S. Senate, that that's one of the least representative bodies in the entire democratic world, but you know. Yeah, sure. Delaware has a vice president and two senators, less than a million people. California, 35 million people, two senators. But who's complaining? <laughs> At least we try. We take the idea of government by the people very seriously. Let some unelected tyrant try to usurp political power, and the American people would respond pretty harshly. Yeah, yeah, right. The so unelected Supreme Court. Yeah, Supreme power, well, for example. <laughs> feeling a little cynical today, are we, Ken? Well, a little bit, but, but, but let's focus. We're talking about radical democracy, so let's focus on the idea of a government for the people. That's the one where I think we might kind of fall short, and I think that's part of the stick of the radical democracy. Yeah, I mean, four is a complicated concept. It's, 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 what is this all about? Who benefits from this? What's, what, what is it we're trying to do? Uh, we're all gonna, it's going to apply to all of us, and we're all going to decide together, but what is it we're trying to do? That's an important thing, and uh, maybe American democracy isn't too explicit about what that comes from. Well, yeah, I mean, because here's one of the questions for the rich people, people yeah. the rich and powerful people. The poor and the downtrodden people? Which people, John? Well, all the people. But you might think that a government of and by the people is pretty guaranteed to actually work for the people. Well, actually, that's the, actually one of the ideas at the core of the so-called liberal democratic tradition. If you've got a government of and by the people, it's going to work for the people because they own it. And it's supposed to be that way. Look at the preamble to the Constitution. It says, we the people, that's the of and the by part, establish this constitution in order to, that's the four part, form a more perfect union, okay, okay, establish justice, sure, ensure domestic tranquility, that's good, provide for the common defense, that's good, and promote the general welfare. That's the key of the four part. It's not clear we pay a lot of attention to that. Exactly, count me skeptical. Now, one of the things I think is that the transition from the of and by the people to the for the people is not nearly as automatic as our founding fathers thought. I mean, because if it was, we wouldn't be suffering from such extremes of poverty and wealth in the world's so-called greatest democracy. You may be asking more than any democracy can deliver. Well, that's certainly more than any liberal democracy with a mere emphasis on formal equality can deliver. But you know what, John? Maybe, just maybe, we need a more extreme vision of what a true democracy looks like. Maybe we need radical democracy. Well, I would like to know more about what that would look like. So, to learn about the promise of radical democracy, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Shuka Kalantari, to speak to a true believer, and she files this report. On October 5th, 2011, over 15,000 people gathered on Wall Street in New York City. Tens of thousands more gathered in Tokyo, London, Paris. Cities around the world followed suit. The Occupy movement was in full swing, and it promised hope of a new democracy. We were forming a community, and there was a kitchen, and food was being donated. Magic Altman is a California writer and activist who was part of Occupy San Francisco. Within weeks, we actually had created community and were working towards creating a democracy. Altman says the first step towards a radical democracy is to take over public spaces. The heart of a city is where people gather. The Occupy movement did that. But Occupy is over. And critics would say, 
it didn't work. It's not that it didn't work. We were crushed. We were violently crushed. You know, 19-year-old girl dragged across the street by the police. You know, they put barricades around the whole park one day. So I don't think that you can say it didn't work. It didn't have time to complete its process. So what would a radical democracy look like if Occupy did complete its process? For one, it would be based on group consensus. Everyone would gather in city centers and share their ideas. There would be facilitators, people who would listen to the community and act out its will, not their own will. It's not a new idea. They did it back in ancient Greece, as long as you were a free white man. Critics of radical democracy say, what if another Pearl Harbor happens, another 9-11? We don't have time for talking circles if we just got attacked. You can suspend the consensus process for a emergency when we consent to let this person or this team strategize to come up with a plan. They would come back with a plan, and unless there's a profound ethical and moral objection, we would go forward with that. So you can act quickly. Then when the task is done, that person is no longer in power. Altman says this distribution of power is found in most natural systems. Take honeybees. A colony of honeybees has to decide where to relocate every year. But it's not the queen who leads the way, it's all the workers. When the hive gets too crowded, half the bees leave searching for a bigger and better home. Then they come back and do a little waggle dance, telling the others about what they've seen. Then the other bees check out the sites their friends described. They come back and do a waggle dance to vote. Each bee comes to their own conclusion. They go out assess the situation, and give an informed vote. 99% of the time, they end up choosing the best possible new habitat for a beehive to thrive. But we're not bees. In our country, it was founded on winning and losing. The Europeans colonized. We took over. Our system is based on conquest. It wasn't freedom for all. We had conquered and killed and massacred. It was a devastation. So that's why in our so-called democracy, we are still using win-lose dynamics to define how we created democracy. Whereas real democracy means that everyone is represented, that everyone has a voice, that everyone matters. People sometimes ask Magic Altman, our two-party system is far from a radical democracy. Why waste your time on this stuff? Altman's answer? Because nothing lasts forever. Slavery existed in the Americas for 245 years. We abolished that. Our current representative democracy is about that old. So maybe a new democracy isn't so radical after all. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Shuka Kalantari. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.